Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the show. It's good to finally have you on the show. I've been excited about this. We've obviously known each other quite a while and we've already done quite a bit of recruitment for you all over, all over the world, actually. But um, why don't we, for our guests, talk about your business, Verimark, and then we'll sort of go back a little bit more into your journey later on. But let's talk about Verimark and what Verimark does and, and where it's at at the moment. Sure. Uh, well, look, first and foremost, thanks, obviously, for, for having me on. And uh, yes, you have done quite a bit of recruitment for us. So that's been great. Michael has been wonderful to work with uh, and, and highly effective. Um, you know, and what he's been recruiting for, obviously, as you mentioned, is Verimark. Uh, and Verimark is on a mission to help the world trust faster. We are, as, uh, in the first instance, a global pre-employment and screening platform that helps companies add simplicity and confidence to their hiring process by checking the claims and credentials of prospective employees. Uh, what that really means is that, you know, as someone will apply, uh, the unfortunate stats are around one in four, one in three you know, people would have misrepresented the truth on their application. Uh, and through Verimark, in an automated and very clear, easy fashion, you're then able to check their past employment, check their academics, make sure they're not an international criminal, make sure they're not an international money launderer or such, uh, or that they are just you know, um, not bankrupt or X, Y, or Z, and, and really just get full certainty around you know, the whole story that may have been shared throughout the recruitment process. Oh, was it really one in three? <laughs> It's uh, certainly in Singapore, yeah. Uh, it varies by region. So where you are out in Australia, it's it's actually slightly lower. It's about one in, about works out to be about one in six or one in 15, sorry, one 15% of applications yep. have uh, discrepancies on it. But in Singapore, it's, it's currently at one in three. It's the highest in the region. Wow. Is there a, is there a I mean, do you have the stats on all the countries? Is that obviously, you were just launched into London as well. What's, what, what's it like there? Uh, well, so, I mean, if you take, 
the blanket statements across if you take the whole of the UK, then it ends up yeah. to be about one in five okay. uh, as well. But there is a big variance per sector. So again, if you look at IT and engineering roles, uh, then there's a, a larger variance. If you look at roles in finance, then again, there's a larger variance. Uh, so it, it does vary you know, from, from competitiveness of role, competitiveness of salary. Uh, that obviously increases the level of motivation for people to, to embellish the fact. Yeah. You know, so you know, a, a PhD in computer science inevitably you know, is, is potentially more perceived as more valuable to an employer than a master's in computer or a bachelor's in computer science. And therefore, people just like to upgrade a little bit sometimes. How? And why? why I wonder why yeah, the fact that Singapore is so high puzzles me. I would have thought, I mean, you're obviously in Singapore and I've been to Singapore many times and we recruit and, and operate in Singapore. I've always found them to f- be so honest, but obviously they're not. So they're very good at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, it's, I mean, so firstly, I should, we should probably um, you know, define what we consider a discrepancy, right? And, you know, there can be out and out lies, right? You know, there can be where, you know, things just never happened at all. There can also, you know, again, you know, the uh, people use very much to find out the absolute truth, and therefore yeah. we believe in accuracy and, and and precision in what we do. So we will still report a discrepancy if you said you work from January to December, and it turned out you work from January to November. And so yeah. slight variances would be a minor discrepancy, and, and but it would still get flagged as a discrepancy. Yeah. Um, to answer the question about why Singapore, again, I think it comes down to really again the competitiveness of Singapore's own. Uh, immigration policy. I mean, you know, Singapore yeah. uh, is is not um, you know, overly generous with the employment passes or immigration purposes and so forth. And they've and it's a very nice place to live with uh, you know re- a regionally comparative high level of salary. So therefore, there's a great level of motivation and incentive to get in to the uh, country and, and to win that role. And if you don't obviously have a job, then also your your permit to stay in Singapore as a country is relatively short-lived. So all of these factors combined means that you've got to find a job quite quickly. Uh, and again, there's lots of competition. So yeah. a way to increase your chances is obviously to, to aggrandize uh, your past. Yes, absolutely. And so you launched the business in Singapore, right? And and now we're you're expanding. Is that that's pretty much what you're? How long has it actually been going now? Uh, Sparemark was was founded by a um, a team out of London in, in early 2019. Uh, it all went full time in January 2020. I mean, on my background, that's sort of when I left uh, uh, running the digital innovation investment arm across APAC for a deco. Um, and we, I mean, we've always been global from a business since day one. Yep. We have now got offices in London, Singapore, Philippines, Hong Kong, Australia, India, uh, and we've just opened up in the US as well. Um, but yeah, the core of our business is certainly on Europe and APAC. Yeah, massive. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about your experience. You just touched on it. Then you were at Deco prior. What's your sort of journey been and how did you end up um, running, running this business? Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, a, a series um, of coincidences, and in fact, so I, I mean, I've been in the world of HR tech for about a dozen years now. So, um, you, know, you know, as a as a younger man, I did a French degree, which was obviously a lot of fun, but no, no, of no use. Uh, <laughs> and ended up in advertising and then for a couple of years afterwards, uh, went to business school, uh, 
and then straight after business school, you know, I went to business school with the intent of becoming an investment banker in 2009, only, or 2007 was when I started, graduated in 2009. So a pretty, pretty poor time to go into the world of finance uh, and therefore became an entrepreneur instead. Uh, so built one of Europe's earliest high-end freelance marketplaces. Uh, it's, the, it's, the it's the original Australian equivalent of Expert 360, which is obviously yep. a, you know, a great business doing well. Um, and ran that as founder and CEO for eight years, raised multiple rounds of VC funding, so raised about $15 million to, to grow that, and it's, you know, it still runs today. Um, in 2016, I switched to a non-exec role, uh, basically to get out of the UK. Everything that was going on from a Brexit point of view just sort of stagnated the conversation yep. uh, and felt that there wasn't much going. So I came to Singapore to take the role that I just mentioned with, with the ADECO group and ultimately see how I, sitting on the other side of the table, help, could help other early-stage founders uh, tackle some of the challenges that we'd face scaling our own business, uh, as well as you know, help them with investment or look at acquisitions and so forth. Um, that was great fun. Did that for two years, yep. uh, but I also really missed the cut and thrust as well as the potential upside of running your own business and then decided that having looked at a a number of opportunities across the region. So we, we looked at 2,000 plus HR tech businesses across the region. Yeah. Uh, and I was I looked after blockchain globally for the group uh, and looked at you know did all the, the analysis on that. For me, when I, you know, when we were talking about Verimark and the opportunities there, then you know it just became very apparent that you know there is a there's a really interesting intersect between pre-employment screening and blockchain as a as an added feature to to do something interesting. And you know, to, we didn't quite touch on the opening intro, but one of the key components of, of Verimark is that we then in turn turn all the verified data into uh, what we call a career passport. So we give that data or the client has the choice of giving that data back to the candidate so they can reuse their own checks and eliminate all the future wastage. Uh, and for us, really, we see that as the is the long-term future of where career data is going. It needs to be candidate-owned. It needs to be ownable and shareable and reusable. Uh, and Verimark is you know, a pioneer or leader in that whole field of credential management and, and a space that, you know, as we evolve, we'll continually uh, you know, plant our flag in. So essentially, where you're heading now is, is that you, once you've verified that data, everyone can own their own data, knowing it's completely accurate because, you know, without their own mistakes. As you said, sometimes people's, you know, mistakes around months working here and months working there is just because of memory and, and, and other really reasons. They can, do you see it as them saying, right, here's my data and it's been verified by Verimark? Is that, is that kind of the, the route that you're planning on going? Is that, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's exactly, I mean, it's exactly that, verified by Verimark. Uh, and, but it's in the control and power of the candidate. And so they have the ability to say, okay, well, these are the five data points I want to share with my new employer. And they, you know, they turn the toggle on, toggle off, so that they just press the button and the, 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 the new prospective employer will receive a copy of their passport that they can come back to the Verimark page and have verified. Yeah, fantastic. How cool is that? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we think it's very cool and we're slightly biased, but you know, the good news is obviously is also that the market... Um, 
uh, likes it too. I mean, if you again, if you think just about the inefficiencies of either doing pre-employment checks and background checks yourself, or as a as a company or a HR team, I mean, you're looking at ten hours per candidate, right? I mean, you know, by the time you've done references and all that stuff, or you're even worse, you're looking at a two two to three week delay whilst you're waiting for a university somewhere in Southeast Asia to get back to you. Yep. Again, all of that means that you as an organization can't be as productive as you want, and you run the risk of move, losing the candidate to another organization who is less stringent on their background checks. Yep. Uh, and you know, those are two massive pain points that companies don't, shouldn't be facing in this day and age. And that's where Veramark, again, is obviously being cheaper and more efficient, really helps them get ahead of the curve. Yeah. And I guess, do you see, do you see um, this sort of controlling of your own personal data expanding outside of um, simple things like, you know, you obviously it's based around background, employment, education, things like that. Is there, is there anywhere else you can go with that? Is there, are there any plans to sort of look outside? Because data is just everywhere, right? There's so much data on it's being collected everywhere. Um, do you yeah. see this, this sort of opportunity to expand it past that? I think if you generally look at the way the world is going anyway, right? And, you know, there is a, you know, and... You know, I'm, I'm not a blockchain or a Web 3.0 fanaticist and so forth, but there is, you know, certainly as the younger generations all come through, you know, there is a big movement to self-sovereign identity. And yeah. there is lots of people now, whether it's advertising data or so forth, really want control of their own data points, or they want to at least know who's got it and who's who's who's, who's using it and so forth. Yeah. I think generally the whole market is going to move that way, and Veramark, Albeit first starting in career credentials is can help people ha- have a greater sense of control, then that that's a wonderful thing. Mm. Uh, you know, as, as you know, related to further use cases, then again, if you, we think about you know the extra the data points that have been verified, whether it's your digital ID or your education status, right, there are there are lots of other use cases, whether it's applying for a visa, you know, applying for a mortgage, applying for another job, where these data points get re-verified and verified again, right? and. Uh, all of those are obviously points of friction in a in a in a, in a process that shouldn't be uh, as 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 you know inconvenient. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, longer term for sure, we'd love to see how we can partner and have you know those sort of discussions with with people who use the same data points. But for us right now, we're just really focused on the the, the first use case of pre-employment screening and, and helping companies do that, which is which is a six billion dollar global market in its own right. So yeah. there's there's still a lot of work to be done. Absolutely. So you've you've had some. I mean, having done having doing that now, and obviously having run your your business previously, and as you said, you scaled it up and and you know raised up to fifteen million dollars. You've been you've been very much on that entrepreneurial journey. I find it hilarious that you can't get a job in a bank, so you become an entrepreneur. I don't think I've ever heard anyone quite just throw it out there like that. But um, I think that that's a very a very casual way of stepping into the world of entrepreneurship. But what do you think? And this is something that listeners always want to know, particularly from someone who's accomplished so much already. What do you think are the maybe the two top things that you've learned either in, in the current business you're in today or, or in the business obviously prior that, that you scaled up that that perhaps you really surprised you the most, I think is probably the thing. So everyone learns a lot on the journey, but there's always a couple of things you just I never thought that that was going to be a thing. What do you think those might be? Um, yeah, I mean the uh, I think that you know the first thing I think every entrepreneur is just actually how how hard hiring is. Yep. Um, you, know, it, you know, and you you learn very quickly, or certainly second time around, you learn very quickly. Businesses is, is very much a team support. 
in you know, is very much a team sport. You, I mean, you, you know, if, you're, if you're good, you can do a lot. If you, but if you've got a good team, you can do you know, phenomenal things. And, and by trying to build that good team uh, is and trying to find those right people is, I think, is, is, a, is a, it's definitely not underrated because there's so much literature on how how important it is. But trying to go through it the first time, you, you realize just how how pivotal. It, and and how how difficult it is, or how easy it is to get wrong, I should say. And, and yep. that's that's certainly something I think. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, nudge nudge group endorsement aside, but the you know that's that's something that we've really uh, uh, you know in both the first time and, and second, even more so on the second time, tried to to really get right because it's, it's pretty fundamental to. It. Um, and then you know, the, I think the 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 second thing is is just how um, it, just how resilient you, you kind of have to be, uh, and but also equally just how willing people are to help. And there is, I, I found that there, there is still an inherent goodness in mankind where actually, if you are young and trying to make your way in the world, then actually a lot of people will get out there and help. Uh, and the ability or confidence or, or humility to ask for that help should, um, you know, yeah, I think is a, is a really important trait, uh, and one that you'll often be very surprised about the the you know the number of positive responses that you get. I think that's a great I think that's a great point, and it's not it's one that's doesn't get doesn't come up too often. You know, I'll, as you know, I meet gosh five ten new founders every week, so I'm meeting founders of all ages in all countries doing all sorts of different things, and the ones that are willing to ask for help, there's no doubt are on an accelerated journey, but there is this sort of myth that you know you need to be sitting there in a dark room at 3 a.m every night grinding yourself to death because that's the only way you can have success and I just don't think that's true there's an element of that at times and there's always going to be periods where you probably need to work unnaturally long hours but I think what I've noticed since we completely immersed ourselves in this in this sort of scale-up startup space no matter which country you're in no matter which region you're in there are so many people willing to help. And there are so many people who genuinely want to help. It's not just, a, oh, if someone asked me, yeah, I could probably help them. They're actually going out and seeking people to help. Because I think, as we all know, you get a huge amount by giving, um, whether it's a birthday present or a Christmas present, or whether it's giving advice to another entrepreneur. And I think, I, yeah, I would very much agree with that. I think young entrepreneurs need to learn to ask more and ask for help more, because I think there's a lot of older entrepreneurs who really are very, very keen to offer that help. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's not, it's not one that comes up very often on this show. You know, we often talk about funding and, and things like that, and that's all, that's all part of it. But I think that willingness to go out and immerse yourself in the ecosystem, it's, it's almost, and you, I'm sure you found this as well, the willingness to help within that space, within startup scale-up space, is just, it's overwhelming. It's quite overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the reason, there's a variety of reasons people do it, but I think it's, you know, a lot of them will do it in an entirely altruistic fashion. Uh, and, you know, your or any any founder's job is to try and minimize the, the bumps and mistakes that they will make. Uh, and in, in very, very, very few business cases, are you really reinventing the, the wheel or are you doing something truly? Uh, you know, innovative from a, either a business model or a market opportunity, and even then, there are still a number of parallels to what you're doing, and uh, that that you can that you can find and seek out people who have 
been in those parallels and been through uh, those sales cycles or been through those you know, customer journeys who can shed light on what you should be doing or, or what they they would expect from that sort of experience. Uh, and just, learn, you know, just being able to, you know, being willing to ask and as well as equally absorb those sharings is, you know, is, is a massive, as you say, accelerant to, to a, a, you know, a young founder's journey. Absolutely. Let's go back to Veramark a little bit. So, um, I'm, you know, the way things are going, it's, it's, all, it's all growing. As you said, there's a lot of work still to be done, and I'm sure you want to continue to scale. Um, we get a lot of people watching the show who are interested in working for startups and scale-ups. So if anyone is interested in, in working at Verimark, let's, let's have, that, have it in your words. You know, in your words, to come and work for you guys at Verimark, whether it be in Singapore or Australia or the US or the UK or wherever it is, what can they expect and, and why would someone want to come and work with you guys? Um. So, I mean, one, I would hope that you can expect, uh, you know, first and foremost, a very rewarding career journey. I mean, as a, as a young business, we, over the last 15 months or so, we've raised $4 million US. Uh, we're now, you know, growing uh, in a very high triple-digit rate on a year-on-year basis. You know, we are, have the intent and every ambition of being the best background screening company across Asia-Pacific within the next five years. So if, if you're up for a challenge and you want to be part of that growth and all the, 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 the rewards that will also come involved in being in an early-stage company, then that, that obviously is you know, the environment in which we can operate, right? Yep. Equally, it's, you know, we recently did our own sort of, uh, we use a great tool called workbean.co. We did an employee survey. We found out what they were all interested in, um, you know, the culture of a company and, you know, their, um, the, the persona that came back from the employee, you know, from the team members was uh, that it is a tribe. Which is nice because it's forty-five people at the moment. You yep. know, it was, it's now in that second phase of getting out of you know a small, you know, um, you know, small collection of, of of friends to to starting to be a structured organisation. But one of the things that we were pleased that we'd kept as we'd gone from you know ten to twenty to thirty to as I say forty-five yep. was a very close knit, highly supportive. Uh, environment where people were extremely confident and we work entirely remotely, right? So it's a distributed uh, distributed organization, all virtual, but people were it felt never felt alone or isolated and there was always a, a really strong level of support with them, which from, again, from a cultural and environment perspective is something that we were, you know, very pleased with. Uh, and then, you know, to, to sort of tap it all off, you know, what we... Um, you know, there there are four virtues that that Veramark lives against. You know, the the first we call people and promises. Right? So it just means that uh, we you know we 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 say what we do and we we mean what we say. Right? Yeah. Uh, and it's you know it's just about the ability for us to uh, you know, to to do, you know as I say keep keep up with you know whatever we say amongst our, our colleagues and and honour those both to both to our colleagues and also to our clients. So each of these four virtues has a parallel within where we talk to the uh, you know both refers to what we how we treat our clients as and candidates as well as how we treat each other. Um, the second is is data, uh, which obviously means that. You know, it's a, it's a flat organisation. It doesn't matter whether it's my idea or one of the co-founders' ideas. You know, it's the best idea that wins. And, and as long as you can support the idea with data, then you, you know wherever you are in the organisation, it's your idea that wins. Yep. Um, you know, cool. the third is trust because again, it's an entirely remote organisation. We don't know whether you turn up at nine oh one or fifteen. You know, three oh one. And it's about you know making sure that again we 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 hit 
and communicate exactly where we're at and that we feel safe and you know there's enough level of psychological safety as well to be able to to know that you can say if x y or z has gone wrong and that we've got your back uh, and then uh, the the fourth and final one is around experience. I mean, much in the same way for us, we think that the candidate and client experience is absolutely pivotal in background screening. Um, that actually, you know, it's you know, work is meant to be an experience too. And we, you know, we're not here to add stress to your lives. It's about how do we, how do we help you support and grow both as a, as a person as well as a professional, uh, and make it make it a little bit fun. And you know, if, if those are the four components of a working environment that sort of resonate with you or the the you know the the employee promises that you'd be looking for, then you know, Verimark would certainly be a a good match. Yeah, absolutely. And tell me, were you always planning on being fully remote? Was that always the plan from day, from day one? Uh, I, so we were always going to be remote to a degree because you know, I'm in Singapore. The, found, the other two founders are in London. Yep. Um, you know, we had every intent of building global platforms you know, from from the get go. So there was always going to be an element. We did think we'd start having more physical offices. So again, you know, in the Philippines or in Singapore, where we have clusters of people, yep. but uh, in the end, COVID has just shown even that would be an unnecessary expense, and we've managed to and and, and the teams want to carry on as they are. So yeah. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, to say the the intent to the degree it's become, but it, it, we're we're very pleased with how it's turned out. Fantastic. That's good. I think that's it, it's um it's a very interesting topic, and I'm still I'm not still not sure how the whole world's going to pan out. I mean, I think in the space that you and you and I in you know in the in the sort of the startup scale up space, it's, it's quite normal. But I, I think it's going to be really fascinating, and obviously these are a lot of your customers as well. Is how these organizations that are large corporates that have big office spaces, how are they going to cope? You know, we've already seen some insisting everyone come come back when they said they were never going to do that, you know, and how that's going to impact them. And I, I wonder how that will, will pan out over the next few years. And, you know, we've got flare-ups of COVID again now and little mini lockdowns happening. And I, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting time the next few years to see what happens with the whole where do people genuinely work from or want to work from um, because it... <laughs> It's, there's just no right or wrong answer. You know, everyone's personalities are different. Some people need to come in. They feel they need that connection every day. Other people don't want to be at home because they're in a shared house or they've got young children or, or whatever the reasons. Whereas others, they don't ever want to leave home. And, you know, there's this, this sort of secondary part of it that I've been reading about where if you are going into, if you've got an office where you don't have to go in, but you can if you want to, which is, which is how most of them are panning out, the people that are going in, if their bosses are also going in, are creating stronger connections and then they're ending up having a better chance of getting promotions in larger organisations. Not because it's a conscious decision, but subconsciously people are getting to know those people better. They see how they work better. They're a bit more aware of their abilities. So when opportunities come up, they think of them more than other ones. And is that fair and is that disadvantaging? I mean, it just it goes on and on and on, right? It's, you, maybe you can do something around verifying, I don't know, maybe there's, maybe there's a future there you can somehow build some sort of HR tech platform that can help that or maybe not help that discrimination that happens almost subconsciously. It's a, it's a funny subject. Yeah, but I mean, I think you, you sort of touched on it there as well, right? So I, I think that the, uh, the future of work is, is, is essentially the personalization of everything. Uh, or I think generally the world is becoming the personalization of everything yep. in, in that now there is, again, depending on, you know, obviously not accessible for all organizations, but there is so much data around, right? And if you think about the you know, work itself, 
whether it's my career training plan, whether it is, you know, how many emails I'm sending a day to various different stakeholders in the organization. So you can see that my strength of organizational analytics, wherever it's, you know, how many steps I'm doing and therefore living, you know, living a healthy lifestyle and so forth, or the, what benefits I want from an employee benefits or what rewards incentivize and, and motivate me. Is it cinema tickets because um, you know, I'm, 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 you know, taking a girl out or is it, is it health insurance? Cause I've just had my first baby. Right? And, or, you know, the, the smart companies are the ones that will really, Win are the ones that are going to cater for the or, or or engage the platforms that help them cater for that you know broad variety of personalization. And yeah. there's, there's a lot of uh, uh, you know good books out there right now, but you know we're now at a stage where we're the we have the um, you know it's the first time we have four generations in the workplace, right? So yeah. companies now need now to start working out how to. Um, really customize their offering for those levels. And again, with the tools and data out there, uh, they, you know, they have the ability to do that. It's whether they choose to do that. And that's I mean, kind of a fundamental shift of where HR is going to have to, to go from work, worrying about payroll. Though again, even payroll can now be you know, done to do you want it daily, weekly, hourly, monthly, yep. or in crypto, right? Uh, you know, so that, you know, but HR needs to stop worrying about that and leave policies and so forth to really getting on to you know giving everyone all of this this sort of buffet of it all and being able to help them customize it to to really optimize talent management and incentivization and productivity. Uh, and that's you know I don't think there is one answer, right? It's not all remote, it's not all no. it's not all on site. It is always going to be this this hybrid with a, a significant degree of personalization. Those are the organizations that are, are going to win. Um, and as for, as for background screening in this world, and I mean, companies just need to do it even more often, right? The, the, if you're hiring a whole team in India, I mean, at least the, in the old world, you used to be able to, you know, or rather you'd meet someone in your office, you'd get a sense if they were at least that person, right? Yep. Or you'd get a sense if they, um, you know, be able to interact with them in a certain degree. In this world of virtual and remote hiring, you lose, you know, several of those senses. So just making sure that you are able to, you know, find out, make sure that they are the right person, make sure that they are, you know, where they said they've worked and so forth, really can help reduce the chance of any of those mishires. And, and that's why Verimark as an organization is also partnered with a number of the big EORs, uh, yeah. employer of records, to, to help companies make that, you know, they want to hire, help the world hire anywhere. We want to help the world hire safely anywhere. Yeah, it's interesting. We've seen... Obviously, now coming out of lockdown, that there was there was a number of um, hires that didn't work out, as is always the case. But what we actually didn't—I haven't told you this—we actually did some analysis on this during the last two years, and the ones that didn't work out are the ones that were hired 100% virtually, but not because they had to, but because they—I'm oh, sorry, because they had to, not because they were forced to. And I think that you know that doesn't mean everyone that was hired that way was a disaster by, by no means but the bulk of the ones that didn't work out were those ones that were never met for whatever reason not even once and there, there is humans have a lot of senses that we've developed over millions of years that we're not even aware of but they a lot of those disappear when you have a screen right and you're not you're not seeing that you're not seeing the full body language you're not seeing the way they walk you're not seeing you know all these tiny little triggers that you see and um, i found that fascinating when we actually did the analysis and it was like oh my gosh nearly all of them were were the virtual only hires, and uh, that's that's something that yeah we've got to we got to, as a recruitment company we've got to look at how we can how we can help them overcome that. And I think you're right. I think the background checking is is another stage, and so few people do it still in comparison to what you would imagine. I always I'm always stunned at how few companies 
really go into it at the depth that you guys offer, particularly. You know, they might do references, but they don't necessarily do educational checks or they don't necessarily do employment checks. So I think it's an yeah. area that is, there's, there's a very strong case for people to start doing a lot more of it in, in a lot more depth. Sure. And you know, in many instances, you know, it really doesn't matter whether the guy got an A or a B in maths, right? It's, no. You're not checking for that. What you're checking for is why did he lie about, or why did she lie about getting an A or a B in maths? And what's the, if they lie about those small things, then what would they do in an organization when they were really under the cosh? You know, what would they, you know, how, how do they act? And it's that, that, you know, those are, the, the data points you're looking to try and find out, you know, unless obviously it's a doctor or an airline pilot, right? It's, it's less about the qualifications per se, but you know, more around the levels of uh, integrity that you're you're really screening for. Yeah, uh, and certainly again, to your point, the yeah, I, I, could, I completely, I mean, I don't find it surprising. I mean, humans are social creatures. Right? Work is a, is, a, is a place where you want a sense of belonging and a sense of community. Uh, and if organizations have, you know, even when there was a the chance, still left people out in this virtual, uh, uh, you know, limbo or never brought, you know, brought them in to at least, you know, to, to make that connection wherever they can, you know, whenever the opportunities uh, have arisen, then you can you can see how quickly people can become not disassociated but distant from from that work. And yeah. I, think, I think there's you know as much as you can do virtually from an onboarding perspective, there's still you know just a single coffee can really help cement a relationship. Yeah, single coffee, simple, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot cheaper than having to hire again. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper than having to hire again. Absolutely. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. It's been interesting to hear your views on this. I, I think the I think Verimark's got a very bright future. I really do. And I think, yeah, for all the reasons we've talked about. But it's been good to hear you sort of take the time and really explain it. So I think our viewers will have enjoyed that. So thank you very much. I It's pretty it's still pretty early there in Singapore, so you've got a whole good day ahead of you. Um, so I shall let you go and get on. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, look, thanks very much for having me. And uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been great speaking to you as well. So I uh, look forward to speaking again. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.